Some are still standing because they're saying, is he going to make a stand up again? I'm not. Uh, I should. <laughs> Maybe I will then. Uh, got a couple other uh, things I just want to add on to the announcements before we uh, look to the scriptures this morning. Uh, one is this, uh, sort of in addition to that vacation Bible school announcement. Um, we joke about it. We make you know jokes about pandas and so forth. But here's the reality. Uh, vacation Bible school for the Vineyard Community Church is probably one of the largest and most effective outreaches for the love of Jesus that we have. I mean, 150 kids will walk into this church uh, July 11 to 15. 150 kids. If, uh, if it's same, similar to last year's, more than half of those kids will not be from our church, and most of them not from any church. So, the, so 150 kids will walk in and have an opportunity to experience, encounter, believe in the love of Jesus for them. So it's a big deal. Um, to pull that off requires about 100 volunteers. What that doesn't mean is 10 people working as hard as 100 people. So I'm just giving an unabashed, pour the guilt on plea. <laughs> I almost never use guilt. Here's an opportunity for you to really sow into the lives of kids and see a people, families change for Jesus. We've got an extra opportunity this year. The preschool uh, that we share this building with right over here came to us last week and said, hey, we've got 28 kids we would love to bring to your VBS. How would that be? To which we responded, absolutely. Um, Fifteen of those are preschoolers. And uh, our preschool facilities have room for about 35 before people start dying. Um, so uh, two, two, two announcements here. If, if God's given you a heart to minister to preschool kids, uh, contact Marsha. You know, you, please come and be a part. Also, if you've got a preschooler and you really want your preschooler to be involved in VBS, I would sign up today if I were you because we're going to have a, a whole bunch of people in. And I'm just thrilled. So... Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, sign up with Marsha uh, after the service. Sign your kids up out there. Get a bagel out there and drop 100 or $300 in, you know, the contributions because uh, they're doing some outreach in the midst of that. So, okay. Don't mean to be so cynical today. Sorry about that. All right. Uh, one last thing. Uh, there is, it is a special day today. It is Father's Day. And so uh, our tradition is to uh, bless and encourage those fathers. So if you're a father, would you stand up? Uh, I want to, yeah, I did make you stand up again, didn't I? <laughs> All right. This is what we want to do. We just want to pray for an impartation of the Father's wisdom and power in these men. So, Lord, we ask right now in the name of Jesus that as you have ordained these men to lead families, to love wives and children well with your power, we just ask now for an impartation of the Holy Spirit upon them. Lord, would you give them your uh, perfect Father's love, unconditional, unearned, and powerful. And I ask, Lord, that you'd release through us as fathers that love and power to our children, those we work with, our spouses, our families. God, it's not an easy job. But, Lord, we look to you as the perfect Father and just pray now for your blessing upon fathers. And, Lord, for those for whom this is a difficult day, for some reason, Father's Day, we ask for the blessing and the consolation of the Holy Spirit. Bring your comfort and your grace to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. You can be seated forever and ever. All right. <laughs> so, uh, uh, 
you're probably like me, and uh, Sunday morning is not the only time that you hear something about God. More than likely, you've got your own devotional time. It might be a minute. It might be hours. Um, you read the Bible, and God speaks to you through it. Probably some of you have heard someone on the radio speaking about God. You've probably gotten an email sometime seeing about somebody's spiritual experience that gave them a new revelation for their personal life and their walk with God. Maybe you've been prayed for up here in front or in your home group. And while in the midst of a prayer, someone said, I feel like God's giving you a word through me. And they prophesy. They tell you something about yourself or something that God has for you. Maybe you've uh, seen uh, or gotten an email or seen on a website sort of national prophetic things. People are saying, this is what God's doing in the country. You'll see something else. Somebody else says, no, this is what God's doing in the country. And there's a lot of confusion. And so I wanted to take a a couple of minutes this morning and just kind of uh, lay the foundations of biblical discernment. How is it that when we hear something from a person um, speaking about God or about our own lives, how do we discern what's true? How do we know what to do? How many of you have ever had a dream and you firmly believe it was God speaking to you? I have, okay, so I'm raising my hand. All right, majority of us have had a dream where we felt like this was the God of heaven speaking into our lives. And yet we we come out of those and we think, well, I don't know what to do with this. Discernment is absolutely crucial for the believer. Here's the good news. If the Holy Spirit dwells in you, that is, you ask Jesus to come in, he saved you, He deposited his Holy Spirit in you. And because you have the Holy Spirit within you, you can discern truth. You. You don't need to uh, ask 3,000 other people what truth is. There are principles of discernment. But you have the Holy Spirit in you. And that Holy Spirit wants to lead you into truth. It's great news. It's, It's a bonus deal with Jesus that he leads us in life by the Holy Spirit. We've got to learn to discern because we want to follow God purely and completely, right? I mean, you're here because you want to follow God purely. You want to do what he says and you want to do it completely. I mean, when Jesus came into your life, he put a desire for obedience in you. And so that longing to know what's right and do it is given from God. Here's the problem. No one hears from God perfectly. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us that we prophesy in part. We know in part. When Jesus comes back the second time, we'll know all things. There'll be no more need for words from God or prophetic utterances or dreams or visions because we'll be in the very presence of God himself. He'll be shepherding us and guiding us throughout eternity. So um, every single believer can hear from God. If you're sitting here this morning, you're a Christian, you think, you know what? That, I'm just, I can't. I can't hear from God. I'm just going to say very kindly, that's a lie from the pit of hell. And you might as well send it back where it came from. Because you can hear God. You can discern truth. God has a passionate desire to lead you. And he does it by his Holy Spirit and with the gift that he gives us of discernment. Um, You know, we, we long for God. And yet sometimes in our passionate pursuit of God, we can get a little crazy, right? Not me, but maybe you might be able to get a little crazy. You've probably heard the story. <clears throat> I'm sure it's a joke. Guy's a little depressed. He goes to the Bible. He says, God, I want you to speak to me. I need encouragement. So he flips the Bible open. What's he see? Judas went and hanged himself. Okay, God, that's not very encouraging. Let's try again. Opens the Bible again. 
What's it say? Go do likely. Go do uh, likewise. Uh, God, it's not encouraging. I don't like that either. He opens the Bible one more time. And what does it say? What you do, do quickly. Okay, guess what? It's not God, right? Sometimes in our pursuit of God, we can get, we, God, we can get a little crazy because we're so desperate to have his personal guidance. We need not go off the deep end in our discernment. God's desire is that in peace, with joy and confidence, we can know what's true. <clears throat> um, if you're not open to guidance from God, this is the other side. If you're not open to guidance from God, then you're kind of like the little kid, you know, the little eight-year-old. People start saying things and he just goes, no, 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 no one's here, nothing, right? So we've got to be careful that though we're pursuing, we, we want to pursue discernment from God, we can't just out of our fear say, I won't take anything. God, no dream, no prophetic word. I won't read those emails. I won't listen to those speakers that make me feel uncomfortable. So I'm, if I can, in the next 20 minutes, I'm going to try to speak decidedly out of both sides of my mouth. Because I want you to walk out of here in the tension of, we've got to hear from God so that we can obey him. And yet, there has to be discernment. We can't take anybody and everybody's word for everything. Because nobody hears perfectly. Did I set that up? Do you get the idea? Well, I hope I can explain all that. First Thessalonians 5, 19-22, the Apostle Paul writes, Do not quench the Spirit. In other words, don't say no to the Holy Spirit when He wants to speak, move, and act. Do not despise prophetic utterances. We're a vineyard church. We believe that the Bible clearly demonstrates that God still speaks. He speaks through prophetic words, dreams, visions, through the Scriptures. He still speaks. We're not allowed to despise those prophetic utterances. You know what? It would be so much easier if I could stand up and say, you know what? If it's not word for word in the Bible, don't believe it. Never hear anything else from God on your own. That would be easier. What we get to do is cooperate with God, to listen and be led. Examine everything carefully. Hold fast to to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. What Paul's telling us is this. God's going to speak to you. In various ways, scriptures, experiences, dreams, visions, prophetic words. And our job is to test those things, to discern. If one part is wrong, do we throw it all out? No, it says, examine everything carefully. Hold fast to what is good. What's the implication? Some of it's not good, right? Some of it's not right. But some of it is the word of God for you on that day and can have great impact on your life. The enemy... That's Satan. He's a real guy, and he really hates us. He loves the extremes. He loves the extremes. He loves the people who uh, will not hear anything, who are cynical in their attitude towards God speaking in any way that's not clearly right out of the Bible. He loves that. That's the enemy's territory when you say no to God. He also loves the ones who are absolutely desperate for a current, fresh, extra-biblical word from God. The ones who are always like, one more prophecy, one more encouragement. I know I've got 50 stacked up and I haven't done any of them. But I want one more, one more, one more. You may have heard of uh, Paul Cain. He's a a very well-known prophet. Um, I've seen Paul Cain minister, and I'll tell you, I saw him literally in a crowd of thousands stand people up and tell them their addresses, the people I knew the names of their mothers, and, and give their giftings. Unbelievable. He's also been dead wrong. 
sometimes on a national front. And he's also had some pretty significant character issues. Okay, so here's how it works. God speaks through people, willing people, not perfect people. Speaks through willing people, not perfect people. So we just have to have discernment. Anyway, here's what Paul Cain says, and he's a guy I respect. Says a lot of times when people come to him and they say, I want a word. Do you have a word for me? Paul Cain will say this. I've got three words for you. Their eyes get real big. And he says this. Read your Bible. In other words, don't set the word of God through a man fallible above the word perfectly revealed, infallible and perfect for us in use for our daily life in God. Does that make sense? We just have to be careful that we're not chasing it and at, and at the same time that we're not despising it. Acts 17, uh, Paul's uh, in his ministry and he's, uh, he's uh, just sent to Berea, a place where he's going to preach the gospel to God-fearing Jews. These are people that really want to know God. This is what the scripture says. <clears throat> as soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. And here's, here's the, um, the example of their nobility. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. So to test a word or a dream or a vision or an insight or a revelation that you have from God, however it comes, is not cynicism and lack of faith. It's a trait of nobility. It says, God, I want you, and I want you purely. I really want to know. And God loves the heart of those who are seeking truth. Um, Discernment is not optional, and it can't be outsourced. That means you don't get to just say, well, I really don't know what's true. I'm going to read my favorite author and see what they say. Do you know that Beth Moore isn't right all the time? My guess is she has the humility to agree with me. So we've just got to be careful that we don't outsource our discernment. You're responsible for your own life before God. Now, I'm a pastor, right? And you look at me, some of you, and say, he's my shepherd. And I trust him. And I'm really thankful for that. But guess what? Not everything I say is true. If you find a church where there's a pastor who claims that everything he or she says is true, run from it. Humility is the key to discernment, right? So even after you walk out of here, many times people will come up to me and say, that was a great message, it really touched me. I'll say, thank you. I will take that from you as long as the next time you hear me speak and something doesn't sit right, you'll come back to me and tell me the same. So a guy in our church, I won't embarrass him by saying his name, but uh, just about every week he's got something to say about my message. Last week, uh, yeah, last week on my message, he came up to me, he said, you, you had this one premise, I'm not really sure it's true. And I spent about five minutes trying to convince him why it was. He spent about an hour at Starbucks with his Bible and gave me a beautiful understanding of where I was a little off. And I went back to him and I said, thank you. You loved me well. Because you spoke the truth. That was the message, if you remember. Speak the truth in love. He spoke the truth to me in love. He discerned for himself. And guess what? He grew and I grew. And sometime I'll tell you where I was wrong, but I can't remember right now. (laughs) Discern it for yourself. Okay. Now, believe it or not, that's the introduction, and I have nine principles of discernment. I'm going to go through them quickly. Uh, 
And I will tell you, this is a, a little bit more teachy than I usually do. If you want any of my notes or other sources, my, my uh, email's on the back of the bulletin. Send me an email. I'll send you everything I got, for real, for true. Okay, principle number one. When you have a dream, get a vision, have an insight, someone gives a prophetic word, you hear something nationally, you, an email, someone gives you a spiritual experience, how do you discern if it's truly from God and how you're supposed to act on it? Number one. Is this revelation uh, supported, contradicted, or contradicted by the Bible, or is the Bible silent on it? Number one, you want to know, does what I heard square with what God, God has already said? God will never, ever, 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 infinity, contradict himself. God will never say something through a person that contradicts what he's already said in the scripture, okay? So you're saying, good, I'm completely safe. Well... Just because God won't contradict himself doesn't mean that there aren't optional um, interpretations of scriptures or even that God can use the same scripture and apply it to a different people in different ways. Song of Solomon is a great example. Song of Solomon uh, is on the outside looks like a literal description of love and romance between a man and a woman. And it gets a little racy in there. For thousands of years, I mean, for the first 13, 1400 years of the Christian church, the church understood the Song of Solomon to be an allegory, an understanding of the way Jesus and his bride, that's the church, it's you, how you and Jesus hang out together and communicate. So there's an allegorical understanding and there's a literal understanding. Which one's right? Yes. Is God not big enough to have multiple understandings and layers of scriptures? Read the New Testament. Paul's got a lot to say on a lot of different Old Testament scriptures. And other people in the Old Testament didn't think of it that way. Guess what? God's bigger than our brains. Maybe that's the point. (laughs) God's bigger than our brains. So is the Bible supportive, contradictory, or silent on the issue? We've been given the Bible for a reason. When in doubt, consult the manual. Even the men. Okay? When in doubt, don't just do it on your own. Consult the manual. You've been given the word. God won't contradict himself. Bill Johnson's a pastor in California, and I love it. He says this. He says, everything in the Bible is true. Good. But not everything that's true is in the Bible. So we, we can't, I mean, uh, we can't discern which water faucet to put into our home by reading the Bible. Right? I'm pretty sure there's nothing in there about that. So everything in the Bible is true, but not everything that's true and right and good is in the Bible. So there's a freedom in God to explore. As long as where we land, in terms of revelation, we don't contradict what God's already said. Okay, that's number one. Number two, consider the source. Consider the source of this word, this revelation. That means it gets trickier and trickier as you get words or revelation or understanding from the Bible from people that you don't know. When you're looking at the person giving a revelation or a word, consider their character, their track record, and my own personal favorite, their humility. Are they willing to say, I could be wrong? When they prove that they're humble, they, they show that they're near to God. That's my opinion. So consider the source. Remember a couple of things here. God can gift people with great anointing, insight, prophetic utterances, which doesn't necessarily match their character. So anointing, Power, even truth given through people, does not equal character. Okay? 
So don't, don't think, well, uh, if they're perfect in character, then everything they say is true. Or on the other side, if they have a big power thing, that means their character is perfect. That's why in the vineyard, when we see someone with a strong gift, we always press into their character. Because character has to come before gifting. You put character and gifting together, you've got a powerful package for God to use. So gift does not equal character. Gift does not equal God's endorsement of someone's personal style. There may be televangelists or healing ministries that, you know what, personally, you just don't like the way they do it. A little too flashy, a little too showy. I've got some of those in mind. Just because they're flashy and showy and I don't like it doesn't mean they don't speak from God or have incredible miracle working power. By the same token, this is, remember, both sides of my mouth, I'm trying to do it really well, right down the middle. By the same token, just because they have a great power, you see someone walk up onto a stage and somebody prays for them and they, they stand out. I mean, they wouldn't walk up on the stage if they're in a wheelchair. Okay. They ride up on a wheelchair. They're healed miraculously. You know that it's true. There's power. Just because that happens doesn't mean that that style is endorsed by God. It just means God looked down and in his love and in his grace, he healed a person. We get a little bit picky about we want everything our way. God's bigger than the way we do things. God uses willing people, not perfect people. Okay. That's probably enough about that. Oh, so that's if it's a person. If it's a dream, I'm talking about consider the source. If it's a dream, recognize. I can't do a big teaching on dreams here, but recognize this. When you have a dream and you think God is speaking, there are three possible sources to that dream. It may very well be God. It may very well be uh, the devil who has access to our sleep times and can really mess with us. And it very well may be the pizza you ate last night. So just be careful. That's why every revelation, every insight ought to push us back to our relationship with God. Lord, I mean, I'll give you an example of I, uh, I have a friend who had a dream about me. And uh, in the dream, at first, I didn't understand at all. And, I, and, and it was kind of a racy dream. This is a, it's just an interesting dream. I can't, I can't say it. I've really gotten myself into a mess here. Here's, um, he gave me the dream, and I didn't know what it meant. He asked me, go to the Lord and ask what it means. And here's what I came away from. You know, I don't really know what it means, but God, I know you want me to speak. And so I pursued God based on not really knowing what the dream meant. I emailed him back and I said, Hey, Dave, I don't, I don't get this, but I know there's something here for me. Would you pray and tell me what the dream means? And he emailed back and he said, Here's the deal. The basic dream was I was in a car and I, I was driving without a key. And when I came back, I had the key and then the car started. He said, The key to your ministry is intimacy with God. And I'll tell you, when he said those words, I didn't get it from the dream, but from his interpretation, I realized God's been telling me that for the last three months. He will do anything to get through to us because he loves us that much. I don't even remember what point I was making with that, but it's a fine story. Um, okay, if it's a dream, three sources. God, the devil, or me. Just discernment is required. Okay, principle three. What does the Holy Spirit say to you? If the Holy Spirit's in you, you can discern truth. So what's the Holy Spirit saying to you? James 1, James tells us this, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. You know what that means? It means God doesn't mind that we don't know all things. 
because he knows that when we're confused, we'll come to the one who has all wisdom. So God brings us to himself. He gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. In other words, God's given us the Holy Spirit. He wants, he urges us to come to him and say, God, give me wisdom. Let me know what's true. Let me walk in uh, truth. We've got to learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. John 16, Jesus speaking here. He says, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. What a comfort to know that we're not on our own. But the Holy Spirit's in us, guiding us to truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So the prayer that God loves when we've got this dream or vision or revelation or or get this big prophetic word or a word given to the nation, we don't know what to do with it. God loves us when we say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Speak to me for me. He loves it and he pushes us. He uses those things to push us into an encounter with him. So what does the Holy Spirit say to you? Number four, does it go along with what God has already told you? So you get this encounter, this revelation. Does it match up with what you already know to be true? Many times the purpose of a word or a revelation or a dream is not new information, but a reminder of what God's already said to you. You have an internal monitor. You've got a sense of right and wrong. You have a spirit connected to the Holy Spirit. And with that, you discern what's true. It's uh, when you, uh, especially on some of these big words, um, many of you may have heard that there are a number of sort of national prophetic people right now. And there are a lot of these words about a shaking coming to the world, specifically a shaking to the United States. And some of the words that I've read, they can they can be quite intimidating. I mean, it it makes you feel afraid, you know. And um, so I would look at those and I'm trying to discern, well, is it true or is it not? And I realize that sometimes I just want to be either or. And sometimes with words like that, God pushes me to what have I already told you? And so I don't think that that I, as a pastor, get to say these words are all true or they're not all true. But what I do get to say is press into God. What is God saying to you right now about the state of your own soul, the state of your own spirit, your preparedness for the return of Jesus, your relationships, what you're doing with how you're stewarding your finances? What's God saying to you? Because I don't think the point of a word like that is to bring fear or to get people anxious. The point of a word like that is to push people back to God and to one another in loving community. So I've talked to many people who have heard these words about there's going to be some sort of shaking or some sort. I mean, just listen to the news and you can sense, guess what? The world's kind of shaky out there, right? I mean, those aren't people prophesying on Fox News or National Public Radio. Those are people just reporting reality. What's God saying to you? We don't have to go by the voice of a prophet. That voice, that prophetic word can push us back to God, at which place our own response is personal obedience. Right? Which means we don't get to judge others if they discern something differently. We get to honor who they are without dishonoring who they're not, which is exactly like us. So uh, discernment is required 
many times a word like that, or any word of revelation, will go along with what God has already told you. God tends to accompany our wisdom with peace. So if somebody gives you a word or you hear a big thing or you have a dream and it causes anxiety, when you've pressed in to find truth, God will often uh, accompany that with peace. So when you walk out of an encounter with God where you've learned something new or something directional for you, you realize, ah, there's great peace. I hope, Brian, you don't mind if I make an example of you. You, you uh, probably know that Brian's moving out of youth ministry here at the church in the fall to work with the uh, Indianapolis House of Prayer. Well, Brian, uh, did, uh, Brian did not just get one word from God that said, go do IHOP, and Brian upped and packed out. That's not, that's not, how, he, not how he did it. Brian's got, <laughs> ask him for it, three pages of words from God from probably eight, ten, at least, different sources, different times, all confirming that the Lord's making a huge directional change in his life. And you know what accompanies that in Brian? And I see him walking it. We met yesterday morning. Peace. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's what he said to me. I have no idea how I'm going to fund this and, you know, how it's all going to work. But God's in it. And that smile of peace says, man, he's hearing the Lord. That's not crazy fanaticism. That's extreme faith. And peace accompanies it. I think that was my point. So how does it go along with what God's already told you? God is both able and willing to communicate with you. He wants it more than you do. God wants to speak to you more than you want to hear him. If you'll open your ears and give him time and press in, the Holy Spirit will give you discernment. If you're one of those people that always hears from God, and by that I mean, you know, you woke up. I don't mean to offend anyone. I probably will, though. I'm sorry in advance. If you're one of those people that wakes up and, you, you know, you're praying about which sock to put on first and what color to wear and, and every single thing that happens, every single thing is a word from God, you might be putting words in God's mouth. You might be over-spiritualizing your life, okay? Dial down a bit and let God lead you in natural as well as supernatural ways. On the other hand, if you never hear from God, if God never speaks to you something that's bold, that's challenging, that requires faith, guess what? You're blocking him. You're blocking him. Wisdom from heaven is available, and you're saying no to it. So we've got to live in this tension of, I cooperate with God. He leads in natural and supernatural ways. And at the same time, I've got to hear from him. We need discernment, because we need to hear God's truth. Number five, literally, when you hear a word, the dream, the vision, the insight, does it feel right? Does it feel right? You think, Randy, my goodness, you're supposed to be the Bible scholar dude. And you're saying we're supposed to go by our feelings? No. Feelings don't lead, but there better be feelings associated with the word from God, right? What does it feel like? Does it breed in you peace, like you see on Brian? Does it breed in you anxiety? Is it conviction of the Holy Spirit or is it condemnation? Conviction says... You've done something wrong, and here's a way to repentance and joy. Condemnation says you are wrong, and there's nothing you can do to get out of it. One's from God, and one's from the enemy. So what does it feel like? You're up here, and someone's praying for you, and they say, Boy, I see a great gift on you. You have the gift of martyrdom. Who wants to receive that one, right? You know what you do? You see that? Okay, now how does that feel to me? 
<laughs> you can't throw it away. Because is it possible that the Lord is speaking through something like that? Maybe the Lord's saying, you know what? I want you to lay your life down for me. I want you to testify to me with your life, whether it means physical death or not. So we've just got to be discerning. We've got to be hungry for the word of God, but discerning as it comes through fallible people. So literally, what does it feel like? First uh, Corinthians 14, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. The word of God will breed in us peace. Um, Jane and I have traveled a lot through the years. We've gone to a lot of countries. and So we've been in the plane, not as much as some of you, but a lot. And I hate planes. I like the, the parts where they, I like the places where they start and the places where they stop. But that in-between part, <laughs> where you're like 20,000 feet in the air, that just seems ridiculous to me. Anyway, um, in our travels, Jane specifically has had many, many dreams the night before we fly that our plane has crashed. I mean, many of them. We were going to Istanbul as missionaries. Jane had this vivid dream. Our plane crashed. Well, you wake up from that and you say, what is God saying? I'm not supposed to go. I better do my will. You know, what is God saying? You know, we learned through the years to allow dreams like that, not to lead us to fear, but to lead us to God. And so we we're forced with a dream like that to go to God and say once again, you know what? We belong to you. We belong to you. Our children belong to you. Our lives belong to you. If, uh, if you're saying we're not supposed to go, something is, you know, we're not doing it right, tell us. Tell us. So it leads us to God. Guess what? I've never been in a plane crash. I am flying this afternoon, which makes me a little nervous now that I think about it. But we've got a ministry time. You guys can pray for me. Literally, does it feel right? And, and in this, recognize your own bias and your own tendencies. Okay? Just, just recognize that sometimes we're predisposed to say to certain types of words, I don't want that one. Or we're predisposed to hear some of us just the grandiose words, you know. You will speak to millions, you know, and we really want to hear that. So we say, that's definitely God. You're going to be a multimillionaire. Well, that's definitely the Lord. I mean, who else would tell me that? Well, how about the enemy who wants you to focus on money and not God? discernment is required. So recognize that not every source that you hear from is perfect truth and you've got your own biases. We've got, you've got people who all they listen to is Rush Limbaugh and Fox News and whatever. I mean, I'm not condemning them. I'm just saying, do you have the courage and the humility to look for input from other sources? Enough. Number six, in general, in general, don't base life decisions on subjective words or prophecies. Now, remember, I just gave the example of God speaking prophetically to Brian, and he's making a major life decision. Why? Because it's not just one. It's multiple sources. And people that know him well who say, you know what? This is God. You're doing it. Go after it, man. God's on the other side of this. He's right in the midst of it. But in general, the major purpose of prophetic words, revelation, is... um, is not normally prediction in the New Testament. Normally it's to equip, to encourage, to edify, to exhort. It's to remind you of what you know. It's to push you to God. Now there are predictive prophecies. In Acts, uh, Agabus, who is a well-known prophet, he's prophesying to Paul. And he says, you shouldn't go to Jerusalem. Bad things are going to happen. I see it in the Spirit. And guess what? He was right. Bad things happened. But he was wrong 
about how they happened, and he was wrong about Paul's response to it. He saw bad things, implication, don't go. Paul said, bad things, I agree, but God's called me to it. God's called me to it. So we've got to be careful with these, these, uh, these sort of subjective, one-time prophetic words that uh, want to alter our lives. We've got to be careful. Usually, not always, but usually, the prophetic words, dreams, visions, are to um, confirm rather than to guide. I don't want to see anyone spending 20 years trying to fit their life into a prophetic word that somebody gave them. Because if it's God's word, it's a, it's a, it's a call, an invitation to God's power and guidance. Usually you don't have to make prophetic words happen. What, you, what, what they do is they pique your interest. They open your ears to what God is doing. And then when you walk through life, you realize, wow, this really was God. I can't believe it. Now, I mean, I've got a, a situation where God, gave, God spoke to me one morning um, in uh, 1999, and he spoke, or 2000, spoke very clearly that I was to make a major change. I just heard the Lord say, you've got to leave the job, you've got to leave the place where you are. And, you know, I mean, it was, out, it was pretty much out of the blue in terms of everyone around me. But what I knew deep down is that it was confirming what God had told me years and years ago that I was not fulfilling my calling, that I needed to make a move. So though it may have looked like this word changed my life, what it really did, it was, it was reminded me of God's call on my life. And it gave me the opportunity to realign myself with God's call. So just be careful with those big sort of destiny, you know, type words. Um, God certainly can speak in dreams, visions, words to, to change what we're doing. But more, uh, more often than not, it's to bring exhortation. It's to build us up. It's to lead us to him and to others in community. On the other hand, just because a word or a vision or a dream that comes to you is wild and weird and outside of your comfort zone, you don't get to just say, I don't receive that. What if Noah had done that? God speaks to Noah, build an ark. A what? It's going to rain. A what? And for how many years? He's faithful to God's word. And it was weird. How about Moses comes back? Hey, I've encountered the Lord in a, in a burning bush. Right. We call that sunstroke, Moses. You know? So just because you hear a wild and wacky thing that's outside of your comfort zone and might unsettle your life, you don't just get to say no. Don't despise the prophetic utterance. Weigh carefully. Discern. Ask the Holy Spirit's guidance. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. Uh, number seven, I'm really getting close to the end here. We have to learn to hear and discern in community. This maybe should have been number one. We are such an individual. Indiv in we tend to live alone. <laughs> and we've got to learn to discern and to live in community, Right? Brian, because he's in, in community, has a lot of discernment because people are speaking into his life and he does, doesn't go out on his own. There's a community of people waiting to, to speak into our lives, to affirm or to challenge when we hear. As an example, in preparation for this message, a lot of what I'm saying isn't mine. You know what I did? I went to six people that I trust and said, how do you discern Prophetic words, uh, you know, revelation, dreams, things like that. How do you do it? 
And I got input from six people. Why? Because we're called to live in community. I'm in a, in a community of pastors that gets together every week. Some of them are sitting right here, and I'm so honored by your presence. And what we do is we speak the truth in love to one another week after week after week. So that if one of us gets up and says, I got a word from the Lord. <clears throat> He's called me to sell everything, buy a ukulele, wear a Hawaiian shirt, and I'm on the road. <laughs> you know what? These men love me enough they're going to say, Randy, <laughs> I've heard you sing. <laughs> That's the truth in love. But we've got to learn to discern and to live in community. All right? There's about two messages there, but just get the point. We're, we're called as a community of faith to be together as we pursue God. Yes, we do it individually, but we do it corporately. We need one another in the body. We build ourselves up in love. Ephesians chapter 4, I spoke on it last week. Okay, number eight, test with time and intent. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but just any word that makes you do something rashly or quickly, be careful. Stop. One of the people, Doug, who I, who I asked input, he said, you know, how about the example of Peter and the, uh, the soldier's ear, you know? Jesus is about to go to the cross. Peter doesn't know what the heck's going on. Except that this guy's coming and attacking the one he loves. So what does, what does Peter do? Slices the, the soldier's ear off. Thinking he's fulfilling God's word. Peter is usually ready, fire, aim anyway. And yet he completely missed the intent of the Lord, who was intentionally going to the cross to save the world. And so Jesus, fortunately, loves us all so much. He says, you know what, Peter, you're kind of rash. If you weren't hearing right. And he puts the ear back on. So anything that says right now it's immediate, you know, it's like you ever been in one of those condo sales things like you've got to buy it today or the price goes up a billion. At that point, I say, forget it. You know, I always say forget it. <laughs> I'm just there to get the three free nights, right? I shouldn't have said that. Um, I'm putting second service on the Internet. Here's the point. God's not in a hurry. Here's the only time I think God's in a hurry, when it has to do with an attitude adjustment or sin. Then when the word comes, God's in a hurry. Hey, why don't you repent now? Why don't you change your attitude right now? But when it comes to big life things or, you know, or pursuits or large things, take time. God will confirm those big things through more sources. Because why? He can't wait to guide you. He can't wait for you to obediently follow him. It's not some sort of trick that God's playing with us. Oh, where am I? What am I doing? No, he's not playing peekaboo. He's, he's playing this. Come to me and I'll give you words and I'll lead you. Test with time and also intent. What's the intent of the, of the word given? Does it bring fear? Does it bring condemnation? Or does it lead you to love? Does it push you to peace? Does it guide you to God? And then uh, my last one, press into God and take action. You know, John Wimber always said, uh, faith is spelled R-I-S-K. So when we get these words, you know, we've got to begin to press in on the side of faith. Not just always on the side of, well, we'll just see. How about sometimes on the side of God? If this is really you, I'm willing to do it. Help me as I push towards you. Let's stand up. I've gone exceedingly long. I apologize. The uh, communion servers can come forward. We'll prepare for uh, communion. Let's pray.
Lord, I just ask that uh, even these words given on discernment, Lord, that you would bring discernment to the hearts and the minds of every person here. Lord, would you just erase from memory those things that, that I may have brought that, that weren't true and accurate. And would you highlight, God, the truth by your Holy Spirit in each person here. We pray, God, that we would be those who walk in faith with discernment, marked by joy and confidence in our relationship with you. And, Lord, marked by more and more love and community in this body and in the body of Christ throughout the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've given your life to following Christ, then uh, this is the time for you to remember what Jesus has done for you. Just come forward, take a bit of the bread representing the body of Christ broken for you and dip it in the wine or the juice representing his blood that was spilled for you to cover your sin and give you access to God. There's uh, wine on the inside. Wait, what is it, juice? Where is it? Juice on the inside stations and wine on the outside. If you don't know God, if you've never uh, asked Christ to come into your life, then while uh, the rest are taking communion, would you either uh, kneel at your seat and ask God to reveal himself? Or would you come forward so that uh, I could pray for you on your journey? Even if today's not the day that you give your life to Christ, we bless you on your way seeking God. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, we would love to tell you about him. So, um, when you're ready, please come forward. Will you stand with me? We have uh, gone a little long today, so I'd encourage you, especially if you've got uh, children in the children's ministry, to go back. Uh, send someone back there with their little sticker to uh, relieve those who are caring for your children well. I'm going to ask the ministry team to come forward and... Um, I don't, know, I don't know all that God wants to do today, but I, I think that he wants to speak to us about speaking to us. So maybe you're in a place where, you know, you're, you're, you're just cynical about the uh, extra biblical words, these encouragement, prophetic words, dreams, and you want to open yourself up to hear from the Lord. Then I think we want to especially pray for you. Maybe you've got uh, something pressing into your life, a word, a revelation, and you don't know what to do about it, and you want discernment, and we would love to pray for that too. Any other need, physical, spiritual, emotional, we'd, we'd like to pray for. I do need a ministry team, though. So if those can come forward, uh, or any home group leaders, great, too. I'll pray for us and dismiss. God, let's pray for your peace now upon us as we go. As we go out into the world, Lord, encountering your love and power on a daily basis and giving it away to the world. We ask, Lord, that we would do it with great faith, with true discernment, and with the power of the Holy Spirit. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you like prayer, please come forward. Um, Otherwise, go in faith and peace to love and serve the Lord. Have a great day.